Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to the Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode Today, I'm joined by a lady from Leicester in the UK by the name of Samantha Houghton. Samantha, very, very warm welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Paul. And, I mean, what a, you know, we, we've kind of shared off air, um, Sam, haven't we, about this this title, this discussion, this this conversation that is about to unfold. And I know there is going to be so much rich material in here and inspirational learnings for the listeners under the banner of letting go of labels yes <laughs> so start us off then sam you draw the line in the sand and we will go where we will go okay where where would you like me to start can you give me like a little bit of guidance well story yeah um i mean certainly okay let me make this statement and listeners have heard me make this on more than one occasions labels are for jars not people yes and the reason that i feel that way very strongly is because of my early upbringing of violence addiction and all the well all the labels that were given me from a very very early age which mistakenly i clung to it became oh, part yeah. of my identity or so i thought oh yeah and led me down a very very dark path for many years um so that's kind of you know the the, the line in the sand if you will um yeah sam so i mean really take it from there because i've got some sort of back notes obviously around your your story but uh, you know for the benefit of the listener I think that'd be great if that come from you and yeah. um, you know how yeah. much you want to share um, sure. accordingly. Yeah I can I can very much resonate with what you've just said I've said very similar words myself okay so I, I, I'll take people back to when I was a young girl so here, here was Sam and um she was always known as Sam to her friends, and it's always been Samantha with my family. And Sam, it, as most young people, not didn't have a huge amount of self-awareness. And because of that, I uh, not only were labels given to me further on in my journey, but labels were always heavily given to myself. So I labelled myself a lot as well. And one of the labels I gave myself from a young age is that I was... Um, I was I was a shy girl. I was really sensitive. But I called my from that I construed that I was boring. I was dull. I was um, I used to comfort eat. So I was fat. I was ugly. So I had all of these um, horrible labels and names that I gave myself. And I was at, when I was at school, I was bullied a little bit for being quiet, for being shy. And but at home, we had. Um, just someone on the outside looking in we look it looked like a really um happy family and you know on some levels we were I always knew that I was loved 
and we had a nice house, we had the holidays, we had clothes, we had we were always um, used to eat well. But my parents, um, which became a lot more apparent to me in my teenage years, neither of them had very much self-esteem or confidence. My dad used to drink, he was an alcoholic, and I can always remember from a young age, I can't remember much before 10, but that my dad would be um, drinking a lot, heavily drinking, and that would really affect his mood. And I can remember feeling really fearful. And my mum was always wrapped up in the pain of living with someone with an addiction. But she also had a lot of um, her own confidence issues and she used to use food. So I always remember my mum being on a diet, always worrying and whickling about her weight, which I guess was passed on to me. Now, I'm not saying any of this in a, in a, in a blameful way. This is just how it was. But as a young girl, I, I can just remember going more and more, more into an introverted shell. And I was already an introvert. So my dad's business, he always worked for himself, was doing really well. And we moved, when I was 11, we moved from the city to a village school. And I had a younger brother. I found this move a huge wrench because I was leaving behind the friends that I actually found quite hard to make as a shy person. And at that age, when you're just starting to go through puberty, everything's all up in the air anyway. And then we moved to this little village. So, and I just didn't feel I fitted in at all. So that kind of added on to this sense of myself that I felt I was kind of weird anyway. There was something a bit different about me. I thought I was a bit of a freak. And again, this is kind of a label I, I came to give myself. And then... I found it really hard to settle at this village school. Uh, but then I was only there for six months, fortunately, and we moved to a bigger school. And I felt um, a lot happier at this school and I made friends. And I think most of all, I could blend more into the background again in a big school. You didn't stand out as much. But there was always a bit of a, a, bit of a paradox, I guess, with me, is that on one level, I wanted to be invisible but on another level I didn't I wanted to be noticed and during this sort of like period when I was about 14 I started to dress very alternatively so I became a punk uh, and then a goth so I would have shocking pink and blue hair at one point quite outrageously dressed lots of studded um, wristbands and things like that and when I when I look back, I've only got about two photos now. But yeah, I really you know I, you would have noticed me in a in a street. <laughs> and this was kind of like an armor for me though, something to hide behind, and it was the front I was putting out to the world. Um, because deep inside, I felt deeply insecure and you know really unsure of who I was, and and I had this real fear of growing up and of going out into the world. And yet I still, I couldn't even identify it as that as much. I just remember feeling like full of fear a lot of the time. And then this school, we had to leave at age 14. And then you go on to another school, um, up to the age of 16, which had a sixth form. And again, I was split up from the friendship groups I made. 
And this time that that was just felt too much for me. Because at the same time, my dad um, had lost his business. We had to move out of this big house that we moved into and into some rented accommodation. And he lost his dad at the same time. So he was um, drinking a lot more heavily. There were arguments in the house and just, just felt like everything came crumbling down. My way of dealing with it was to go um, even more introverted. And I guess I was always like in a bit of a, a fantasy world of my own. Was that for me, that was how I could cope. And I used to pretend in my head that I was somebody else. Uh, someone that I could identify with that would be a powerful person. Someone that would know how to deal with what I was going through because Sam didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. Anyway, Sam didn't know how to um, cope with being in this new school away from everybody. And so for the first time in my life, I started to truant from school. And this, um, you know, this is going back 30 years. Amazingly, it went on for months without the school ever saying anything to my parents. And I used to spend all my time in libraries. Um, and strangely enough, I because by this point, I felt I was so, there was something really different about me. I felt like there was something um felt like I was a bad person but that I was there was just something odd about me because I just didn't fit in and why I didn't fit in there had to be a reason so I used to read um every book I could get my hands on and then in the sort of 80s early 80s a lot of the books around then were I remember one of the the authors um Dr Claire Weeks she wrote quite a few books and things were called like nervous breakdowns and nerves, things were mental health were referred to in that way. And I used to read all of these books about like the mind and about mental health that I that I could and psychiatry and found I could identify with quite a lot of these different um, labels that were being given to people. I don't know, and something about that actually I find found comforting in a way. Because it was like I was, I could relate to something, even though it was not something you really want to be related to, but I could relate to something. And there was a strange comfort in that. Um, you, sorry, did you want to say something? I feel like I'm talking and talking. No, no, not at all, um, Sam. I mean, I'm, I'm listening intently here, and, and okay. this is remarkable, the, the parallels between our life. Um, wow. To, to the point where, you know, I think when when guests come on and, and we embroil in conversations, you know, there's sometimes there's yeah. some similarities and sometimes there's some strong similarities. What I'm listening to here, Sam, it's almost like, it's like hearing my own voice because of the oh, instances wow. that you're referring to. Gosh. If I can just bring this to some kind of, um, some kind of uh, track, Sam, I want to yeah. quote something that you've got on your website. And, and to me, this really summarizes it. Um, okay. I truly believe that you are here for a purpose. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Now, maybe I've kind of, because of the subjective nature of just, just listening to you and resonating massively, maybe I've gone a bit too far too quick there with that. Okay, then, Sam. So let's delve into purpose because that's one of 
you know, the, the models, the concrete models that I use, Sam, is purpose, prosperity, mm-hmm. philanthropy, which is, um, yeah. you know, the, the stepping stone, if you will, from where I've come in in my journey, which, as I say, resonates very, very, very strongly with your own. Um, okay. You know, parents that were very drink orientated, and that's being polite. Um, yeah. I learned that behavior from, from an early age because... You know, yeah. Uh, as we do, we you know we look to yeah. our, our elders and people and people in authority, and we're influenced uh-huh. at a, an early age by who we think we are. Um, yeah, of course. Our so role models. Our role models. Yeah, absolutely. So, so tell me about this thing called what you term purpose, Sam. Tell tell me about your purpose at, at an early age. Did you have a um, an idea of what your purpose was or what you thought it was because I want to share with you then what I thought mine was okay yes I did actually because as I said I, I used to escape into my head into sort of like dream fantasies um, which I now when I, when I look on it now it's more like visualization I was always using the power of my imagination mm. one of the things that I used to love doing um, to help me cope with, I had all of these overwhelming emotions all the time because I ended up going in, getting into the psychiatric system when I was 15 and I was in and out of that for many years to come. So, um, and given various diagnoses and labels, which became my identity, one of the things I did to cope was to write. So I had to find a way to express myself. And I'd loved English at school. I like before I truanted, it, I was thriving. And I'd always been urged to, you know, follow that path by teachers. Um, but because of how I felt within, I didn't take that path. But I had a big desire. I, I could imagine myself as an author and a journalist. That was the path I could have seen myself going down. Mm. But my reality was something completely different. I had no confidence or belief in myself so I always lived in this imaginary world and that was where what I was drawn to so yeah it's it's kind of like where I am at now in life it, it, it's it's like I've done a big circle and mm. gone back being what I always felt called cool to do with what I'm doing now um so like two years two two and a half years ago I I was, I had a very erratic life. I had, um, food became a big thing for me and I had an eating disorder for 12 years. I was bulimic and I could drink quite heavily at times as well and generally lived a very chaotic life for many years. And it was only sort of the birth of my son that I feel I really had a a reason to turn things around because I didn't feel worthy of anything until that point. But then it was eventually throughout my journey, I I started a business because I realized once I'd done a, a lot of work on myself and had a lot of therapies where I really embraced my my demons and faced my demons and started to actually move forward for the first time, I realized that I had all of this ambition inside of me that I'd never been fulfilled. And so I started a business. And it was through this retail business that eventually I gave up um, because, A, I burnt out because I was trying so hard. Through 
a lot to myself. Um, but I also found I had a voice, which I'd never really used. And because at times in my past, I was almost mute because I just, I couldn't open up. I'd become so introverted. So this voice I found in business was becoming more and more about, it was always about talking about your why in business, but also, which was all about my story and my past, where I'd come from. And I, it was other people's stories that I'd read for years that really helped me, you know, gave me hope, gave me um, strength, gave me courage to move, to keep moving forwards when it, everything felt like, you know, it was against me. And I just got to the place in my life where I let my business go and I just have to share my story. And I, I burnt out and during this burnout, away from all the noise of technology and social media, I could hear my intuition and it was telling me to write my story. So I kind of like rekindled my love for writing through this other business with all the the content you write for your business, etc. Mm. And so I went to paper and literally it was just like a download and my story just flooded out of me and I just instinctively knew exactly how to plan it, how to stretch it, how to write it. And 16 days later, my book was finished, my first book. And then I was on this huge mission <laughs> To get to turn it into like a book and get it out there because that's when I felt truly connected to a purpose probably for like the real first time well having said that I felt well, a lot of purpose as a mum but a purpose purely for like myself and what I felt I was here to do was that was that day after I after I'd written my book I was like I just knew I felt really aligned and then as soon as I sort of stepped onto that path that's when I first feel like I was really starting to honour my true self and things started to come to me. So I, I'm quite a big believer in the law of attraction and just people and opportunities were coming towards me. So six weeks later I'd have got the opportunity to have a big launch at a big event in Leicester and lots of other amazing things and everything just came together and at that point I didn't really have any money but it all came together um, and it was meant to be and then I was on this path and I was out there promoting my book I was meeting people from my past including someone who was at this adolescent psychiatric unit I was in and I just felt like so many synchronicities and things that were meant to happen happened and eventually, I think my passion for sharing my story, because I believed in the, the power of a story so much and how it connects us, that people started to reach out and ask for help to share their stories, which brings me to what I do now. Excellent. I want to come in at that point, Sam, if I may, yeah. and say, oh, yeah. um, I mean, blimey, the purpose thing. Um <clears throat> What would you say to people? I mean, I obviously the power of purpose is, you know, for me and, and for you obviously is beyond yeah. um yeah. is beyond description. But if somebody yeah. come to you, Sam, and said, Oh, it's all right for you two talking about purpose, I don't I haven't got a clue what my purpose is. What would you what would you say to those people? 
I would tell I would say that they need to really look within but I would tell them to sit down and write I was telling somebody that last night mm. I put a post out on Facebook and it was about how I was how now I wake up nearly every day not every day we're all human but nearly every day feeling you know full of purpose full of excitement and a lot of passion yeah I feel yeah. that deeply a lot of the time yeah. which drives me forward and she'd written something on it like I wish I could I wish I could have that so I messaged her and we had a conversation and I just suggested to write and I and I suggested to her actually is to look at write about how look at where how she would feel write about how she would feel if she was waking up every day feeling full of passion and then to write about how she's feeling currently and then have a look at what she can do to bridge the gap between the two yeah that's the advice I get to her one of the things paradoxically that I like to uh, I like to flirt with I like to dance with duality as I call it um, yeah. In this world of oneness, I love to flirt and dance with duality. As I mean, it's it's around us all the time. There's so many kind of contradictions, paradoxes, opposites, yes. call them what you will, as you know. Yeah. And one of them for me, Sam, and obviously we're both involved in writing, both in both involved in books. Um, yeah. Is to say exactly what you've said. Yeah. Write your story that downloading call it what you will i call it i'm one of the first singles i bought in the 70s was from the moody blues called uh from the moody blues um nights in white satin oh yes yeah um, classic i think i paid about 40 pence for it at the time I'm showing my age <laughs> now um but one of the lines in there is letters i've written never meaning to send uh-huh. And for me, Sam, that's a great metaphor for what we're talking about, because, you know, whether you're going to be a best selling author or whether you just want to scribble something on the back of a piece of paper or whatever it is, that cathartic nature of writing yeah. a story is absolutely yeah. immense. It is. However, for me, it's understand it's just a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The process it takes you through of, of facing, well, I don't want to talk about that situation when I was X or Y or Z. Yeah, talk about it. Dump it on that paper, you know, and yeah. face those demons and those emotions and those whatever it sparks within you, that energy that's lying deep within you, bring yes. it out because yeah. it, it's got to be brought out because if it's not faced, and I think that writing in the privacy of your your own world, your own realm, is is an immense way, a very gent- relatively gentle way of starting to say to those demons, I'm going to start releasing you now. Yes. You know, yeah. whether you do anything with it in terms of publication, well, that's, that's a different thing altogether. And that, in many respects, Sam, was why speaking from the heart uh, was set up. Whether it's mm-hmm. the verbal word, like we're having now, or the written word, I really don't personally don't discriminate between the two um, mm-hmm. because it's that it's that release, isn't it, of being able to talk or being able to write. But for me, when we've written, um, you know, it's like people say about my story and yeah, OK, well, tell me about my story then. Oh, no, no, you tell us. It's like, no, that page is gone. In fact, that book's gone. 
In yeah. fact, whatever it was or whatever it wasn't, do you know what? It was a story that I created in my mind based on my belief system of where I was at that moment in time. Was it yeah. a true story? I thought so at the time. But my level of awareness now, Sam, about who I truly am, not who I think yeah. I am, but who I has changed dramatically. So, and I think that's what this cathartic nature of writing gives us that idea. It gives us our identity back, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've not. It just put me onto a path, and and I've just. I say I the, the second book I've just about to release is all about letting go. Mm. It's all about what I've let go of uh, to become and, and well, to be who I always really, who I feel I always really was underneath. Mm. I just feel like I had so much dumped on, dumped on to me and stuff that I put onto myself as well, self-imposed stuff. Mm. But it's just like letting go and releasing all of that. Yeah. And expressing the true essence of who you are. And and having the courage to do that. But that, yeah. I think, comes in with the awareness of, you know, and I said at the top of this conversation, Sam, I'd very briefly share, you know, what my kind of mask was. And because I learned about alcohol at a very, very, very early age, 10 years of age to be precise, um, yeah. and I learned how to fight because violence was all around me in the home at the hands of my stepfather, yeah. Um, and my mother self-harming regularly. Um, it was it was a way of life that oh this is normal. Is okay. Well, okay. And I think what I learned through the need for significance. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. You talked about dyeing your hair shocking pink or you know yeah. electric blue or whatever it was. And I'd expect you to dye it blue. Being from Leicester, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no stereotype, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, there's that kind of expectation, isn't there, that, you know, this is who we are. And so for me, as a guy in very masculine energy and in a very masculine environment, mm. that's what I learned from an early age. But I knew, I mean, I couldn't intellectualize it. I couldn't rationalize it. And I just hope that listeners can sort of draw something from this in terms of, you know, who you think you are. Mm. is not who you are because there's there's a general mm. sweeping statement that if you're in pain then we wasn't put on this earth to be in pain oh my god no absolutely not one of the things i always say is that i remember thinking when i was a young girl and i was about 10 that this this wasn't right how i felt because why would i be born to feel like this it didn't mm. make any sense and I, I, I always believed there was like a path to feel joy, to feel happy, to feel, you know, free. Yes. I mean, this this kind of whole thing of who we think we are, because we, we pick these labels up from an early age that, you know, you are this, you are that. You know, I was told by my stepdad from a very well, from eight years, I can remember it clearly. You are, a you know, for the sensitivity of the listeners, I'll, I'll dumb it right down. But it was words to the effect that you are flipping useless, boy. You'll never be loved. You'll never be anything. You're just a complete and utter waste of space. And you um, jump when I say jump. And, you know, all this kind of controlling, despicable, violent behaviour that went, not only with me, but also my mother. So I had to kind of watch yeah. that um, yeah. as well. 
and 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 you know obviously this this podcast is not about me and my story um obviously it's about yourself um some with your inspirational messages but you know listeners have heard me share that many times before and i, I suppose it's about creating that empathy to say to mm. the listener that look you know no matter where you are in your world in your life however dark however desperate it seems more importantly whoever you think you are believe me if you're in pain then that is not who you are and it's no. as you said quite rightly sam it's then going on that voyage of discovery and flirt with new ideas you know, mm. and that can be difficult, can't it? When sometimes you feel that, you know, you're at the bottom of a barrel looking up and oh, nobody oh, cares. Yeah. There's no love in my life. There's no warmth. Why should I even bother? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, and I think if you don't feel deserving, that keeps you stuck for a very long time. I know it did me. It was, you know, it took the birth of my son. And when I was 28, I actually feel actually to want to come out of an addiction and to want to move forward because I was I was not happy I was far from happy but I was comfortable in that place because it felt safe mm. um, very unhealthy and it probably would have killed me eventually um, but it, I didn't feel worthy enough my my self-esteem was so low and I know having my son would just give me that that reason, the love I had for him. Yeah. It was like, it's not about, just not about me anymore. And I, I, I guess I used that as mm. like my, really give me a lot more strength to, to really sort of like change because I wanted to be the best mum I could for him. I wanted to give him what I felt I didn't have. And the, one of the main things was to believe in myself because I really didn't. And that's been one of my biggest struggles in life is to believe in myself. But but when you think about it, if you don't really know who you are, how what do you believe in anyway? Mm. Yeah, because all these different identities and, and it all becomes very, very confusing. And you know, I I've been sort of I suppose like some some of it for me, I think, is what I've added on to it myself as well, my interpretation of it. Yeah. But I have been labelled by a psychiatrist. I remember when I was 15, the first psychiatrist I ever saw, he called me um, truculent, which me and my mum, we didn't know what that meant. We had to look it up and it's savage, vicious. So I was very angry, but no one seemed to dive deeper and think well why is the girl angry mm. it was just given that label given medication and then not long after that I was admitted to a unit and then I was given you know depression anxiety OCD um eating disorders yeah all kinds of things and that really just became normal for me and walked around with this like for years, you know, decades of I'm this mentally ill person. Yeah. Uh, and just, uh, and in that way, that made me feel I was weaker, that I was lesser. Uh, I was not capable of holding down a job. And so that was, became my reality. I didn't. I, I was in and out of jobs. I was on long-term sickness. And when things ever got to real crisis points for me, 
I want the first thing I wanted to do was well two things I'd either think about taking my own life or I would want to be admitted back to a hospital because for me that was the that was the norm and I think when I reflect back now I think I've become quite institutionalized you know from being a teenager and that was my normal which is really quite sad, which is really quite sad. And it's just like being, um, you know, a really long journey to get to where I am now. But for me as well, I just feel like the bigger, the bigger the, the struggle, the bigger the purpose as well. And then that really drives me forward. And I always talk about um, turning pain into purpose. That's one of my, one of my mottos now. Yeah. So by way of coming to a close, it's interesting what you say about that because the pain to purpose is a lot of stuff that I've personally written around and from the purpose to prosperity and the prosperity philanthropy. But uh, if there was one, based on all your experiences and everything that you've been through, Sam, and, you know, obviously you've yeah. come out the other side and, you know, you're here to tell this 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 tale about this journey, this story, Um but if there was one message, one powerful message, call it your legacy, if you will, that you was going to leave to the universe based on everything that you've you've experienced, what would that be? That one? I mean, there's no doubt many, but I want you to really single one out that say, do you know what, world? This is what I. This is what my life stood for. This is what I've learned. Oh my goodness. Um, oh, I find that very difficult to nail that down to one. I really do. Um, <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, I think I think one of the biggest lessons um, for me has been actually is is tuning in, is actually listening to your inner voice, your intuition, whatever you want to call it. And be guided by that because that's never wrong. And if I'd have done that, I think for a long, you know, my life could have been very different. Yeah. But I've kind of listened to it and then dismissed it most of my life. And because I was, because I had the labels and, oh, that can't be right. That can't mm. be right. This is how I am. And telling myself a different story, but I think I do believe my intuition knew all along. I think that is a very, very, very powerful message to 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 bring things to a close to Sam. So, listen, thank you immensely for sharing what what you've um, what you've put on the table there, Sam. Thank you immensely, and particularly for bringing thing and closing it with that. As I say, that immensely powerful. Um, leaving that immensely powerful message so how can people reach out to you sam because you're a mentor for helping people write the books i believe um yes yes yeah. and ghostwriter um so i've got my website which is www.samanthahoton.co.uk and you know you can reach out to me on there and um, i hang around on facebook quite a lot as well so feel free to find me on there i've got a page which I think is I think is called Samantha Houghton, memoir, mentor, and ghostwriter. Superb, thank you. So there we have it, listeners. Um, Samantha Houghton, and speaking to us about letting go of labels, and all that remains for me to say now, as I do when I sign off, as you know, is no matter what you do in life, always walk your path 
with heart. Heart, helping everyone achieve results towards success.